Turn your Bible with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to verse 13. We begin a brand new series today called The Weapons of Spiritual Warfare. How we overcome wickedness. You know, as I was thinking about um, everything that's been going on in the world lately, and of course, um, you know, not just here in the United States with all of the violence, all of the uh, economic instability, um, you know, joblessness, and just whatnot, you know. Um, and then thinking about stuff that's happening around the world, we are all aware of what's been happening in Ukraine with the war between that nation and Russia. And then, you know, other parts of, of the world where we're hearing about different things happening. Many of you were aware um, last Sunday that uh, several gunmen went into a church in Nigeria and uh, during, the, during the service um, detonated a, a bomb in the, right in the sanctuary and then shot about approximately, from what we heard, uh, some, some accounts are saying as few as 40 people were killed, as many as 70 were killed um, in the service. And, and you know, you, you hear all of this stuff, right? And, and you can't help but just wonder, what is the world coming to? You know, you, 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 you watch the news and sometimes you, maybe you're discouraged and even wanting to watch news because all you're hearing is bad news, bad news. And this is my personal opinion. You know, you can agree with me, you know, if you like or if you don't. But I tend to feel like in some ways our media tend to sensationalize a lot of negative news. We rarely hear about the positive things that are happening in our world. But we, we hear a lot about all the bad things in our world. And it's not necessarily that we need to be reminded, you know, that, that humanity is just corrupt and, you know, you know, within our nature is just a predisposition to doing things that are wrong or, 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 or negative. But I think it's important for us to always remember that there is always a spiritual influence behind every expression of evil in our world today. People are not just evil because they, because they simply choose to be evil. There is a spiritual influence that is at work. And I dare say this, friends, this morning. I believe that because we are in the last days, I believe that, I believe that because, because Christ will be coming back, I believe he's going to come back very soon. I believe his return is imminent. You know, when you look at all the stuff in the world today, I believe that he's, I mean, he, he, his, again, his return is imminent. That there needs to be a sense of urgency among believers. That, that, that as, we are, as we are living this life, as we are navigating this journey called life, that we do so not only looking forward to when Christ will come back for us, looking forward to when he'll call us home, but also recognizing that, that, that we have a responsibility to, to, to impact our culture, to not just sit on the sidelines and say, well, Jesus, I'm just going to wait for you to just come back and pick me up whenever you're ready. You know, because this word is just, you know, getting worse and worse. And I don't know what I need to do about this. But, but that we, we, we sense this urgency to say, God, we are the church. And you've put us in this world to make a difference. We're not just here to just simply survive in spite of all the stuff that may be going on in the world. You've called us to have impact. You've called us to make a difference. And I believe that in being able to do so, it is important that we understand who we are in conflict with. Who we are in, who, who, who we are at war against. And there's a scripture that I want to quickly share to preface the scripture we're about to read. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, Paul says to the church in Rome, he said, Understanding the present time, he said, do this. He said, because the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, slumber, because our salvation is greater now or nearer now than when we first believed. And then Paul in verse 12 makes this statement. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So we need to put aside the deeds of darkness. And he says we need to put on the armor of light. So essentially what Paul was saying to the believers is, you know, it's, it's not enough for you to just simply, you know, you know, 
focus on yourself or focus on your own life, but now we must realize that there is, there is a sense of urgency in our world today and we must pay attention to what the enemy is seeking to do and, 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 and live in light of the fact that not only is Christ coming back for us very soon, but we have a responsibility to also resist the enemy and to resist him vehemently, um, to, to not allow compromise to seep into our lives when it comes to our walk with the Lord, but we are truly focused on living for Christ and allowing Christ to be glorified through our lives. So it brings us then to Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. And this is a church that Paul loved. I mean, not that he didn't love the others, but he loved this church. He loved this congregation. He heard great things about this congregation. And so, of course, you know, as, as any spiritual, spiritual mentor would do, Paul would check up on them. He would you know, receive updates about, you know, the things that they were going through, some of the struggles they had, and so he would address them in this letter that he wrote. And in the, in the chapter we're about to read, specifically verse 10, 10 to verse 13, Paul is going to introduce them to this concept of walking in the armor, of, or putting on the armor of life. And he, and, and he prefaces, this, prefaces this armor, or introducing this armor, by suggesting to them that the armor that, that Christ is calling them to put on, that Christ is calling you and I to put on, is not because of our flesh and blood neighbor. We're not putting this armor on because of them, because, because they are the enemy. This is what he says beginning in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say, be strong in the Lord. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that, and there's always a reason for everything God asks us to do. Paul says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He is not ambiguous. He's not, he's not, um, he's not, you know, um, you know, vague about who he's directing, you know, you know, their, 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 their instruction for them to put on this armor toward, he says it is because you are able to stand against the devil's schemes. And so he continues in verse 12, because our struggle, he's, he didn't say your struggle, he said our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to, st to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. I'm going to stop in verse 13 because next week we'll pick up from verse 14 and the subsequent weeks we'll, we'll go through the following verses. But I want to focus on what Paul says here in verse 10 to verse 13. Because as I, as I mentioned to you this morning, as I mentioned to you earlier, Paul is saying to you and I, making the case to you and I that that in, in fulfilling the call that God has placed on our lives to be salt and light, to make, to make a difference in our world, to have an impact on our culture, even while we are awaiting His return for His church, you and I um, must recognize that, that this struggle, this, this, this confrontation that He has called us to, this engaging the world that He has called us to in His name, is not one that we're simply doing a, in, a, in opposition to the person that's, that sits in front of us. That person sitting, you know, that, that person that, 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 that walks in full expression of sin, makes, makes difficult, terrible decisions, does not love the Lord, does not want to follow the Lord, that person is not your enemy. Paul says that is not the enemy. The enemy, friends, is, is, is a spiritual enemy. And if we are to fight a spiritual enemy, we cannot fight a spiritual enemy with the same mechanisms that we would fight a, a, a flesh and blood opponent. I mean, you can't, you can't pick up a, 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 a weapon or, or, 
sword or whatever it is to say that's, that's what you want to engage Satan with. No, because you will lose. If we are to overcome a spiritual enemy, then we need to exercise spiritual tools, spiritual weapons that God has made available to us. It is a grave mistake, misjudgment, somebody once said, to assume that Satan is grossly stupid simply because he is equally sinful. Many times we assume, we assume that Satan is this character that, you know, that maybe is portrayed in movies as this, you know, this, you know, mischievous person who just, you know, just wants, just wants to just, you know, crack, you know, crack jokes or, or take advantage of people. And, and, we, and we, we embrace sometimes this, this humoristic view of who Satan is. And we fail to realize that Satan, not only is he real friends, but Satan's intent, his only intent is yours and my destruction. There is nothing, there is nothing about his approach to you and I that is meant to be uh, playful, meant to be uh, in, in any way in a joking manner. Satan truly means for our destruction. And so he employs means and methods to bring about our destruction. It is important that we open our eyes to his schemes or the truth about who he is and what he represents. Because unless we do that, we cannot know how to defeat him. And so there are many today who are, who, 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 that Satan has enslaved, Satan has, 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 has afflicted their lives, he's, he's brought bondage into their lives, and yet they, they, they don't know how to break free of that bondage. Why? Because they're trying to do this in their own strength. They're trying to do this in their own wisdom and in their own power, when all the while God is saying, you need to, you need to look to me, because what you need to overcome the enemy, I have. The key to defeating Satan, friends, is to understand the way he operates. And, and it's important as we talk about, you know, as we, over the next few weeks, we talk about what it means to, to uh, wage a war against the spirit of wickedness. I think it's important that we begin at the foundation of understanding who Satan is and what he's about. Because only then can we then truly be able to engage him as we should. Very quickly this morning, just the next few minutes, I want to share with you three, three ways the scripture points to the nature of our enemy in helping us to understand how we are to rightly engage him. The first thing that we learn about the enemy is this. Satan is relentless in his effort to obstruct God's work in yours and in my life. The Bible makes it clear to us that you and I have a struggle. Paul says our struggle. Notice he never said your struggle, as if to imply that he didn't have an issue, that he wasn't dealing with the enemy, that, that somehow he was off limits from Satan's grasp. Paul was saying that every one of us as believers, even though we've, we are sold out to Christ, even though we're committed to living for Christ, we still engage the enemy in this struggle, daily struggle, where we have to choose, am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for God? Just because you gave your heart to Christ is not automatic that every decision you're going to make is going to be made in light of wanting to do what is the will of God. It is a, it is a conscious choice that we all have to make. That Christ is going to sit on the throne of our lives and not we. And so it is important to recognize that Satan, one of, the, one of the tools that he employs is to obstruct God's will or God's work in our lives. And you only have to look back all the way to the, to the beginning of, of, of our story, humanity's story. When in the garden, the Bible says that, you know, God had, you know, created Adam and Eve. He's put them in this beautiful garden where they have access to everything they could ever want or need. And yet God says to them, one thing, one rule, he simply, one simple, simple rule he gives them. He says, you see that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That tree you do not touch, you do not consume, you do not go near. Why? Because if you do so, you will die. And the Bible says that when, 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 when Satan came to Eve, he asked her the question, did God really say you are not to eat from any tree in this garden? 
And of course, Eve, of course, having known what God had told her, said, no, God didn't say we're not to eat of any tree. He, he did say we're not to touch this one tree, because if we do so, we'll die. And then what was Satan's response? Was to say to her, you will not die, but in fact, you will become like God. In doing so, what Satan was wanting to do was to obstruct God's work in Eve's life, in Adam's life, of walking in union with God by their obedience to his instruction. And, and as Satan did for Adam and Eve, friends, he has continued to do that to this very day. Where he, he tries to convince people that, that whatever God wants to do in our lives, whatever God wants to, whatever, whatever God is inviting us to experience in him is not really in our best interest. That we know better what is best for us than God ever could. And so there are many who are living out that lie today and it's a destructive lie. Because they bought into that idea that somehow God is not, that God's will is not best for them, that it is the pursuit of their own will that matters, and in doing so, they brought destruction to their own lives. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter warns us, he says, be alert. He says, be of sober mind. Why? Because your enemy. He says to us, Satan is our enemy, friends. He is not our friend. He says, your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. He is always looking. He is always seeking. He is always, he's, always, he's always trying to find an opportunity to trip you and I up spiritually. To get us to walk away from the will of God and to embrace a will that may seem right in our eyes, but it only leads us to destruction. We need to remember that Satan is relentless. And even as we look at the world today and we see all of the things that are happening in the world, be reminded, rather than simply be dismayed about how bad things are becoming, but we will be reminded that the enemy is relentless. And just as he is relentless, friends, we must be relentless. We must not back down. We must not allow the enemy to take our culture, to take our neighbors, to take our friends, to take our co-workers, to take our kids, to take our spouses, to take, to take, to take our loved ones. We must be committed that just as the enemy is working relentlessly to obstruct the will of God in people's lives, that we as a church are working relentlessly to make sure that the word of God is going forth. That the truth of the gospel is going forth and is changing lives. And it's not necessarily, it's not simply because of the words we speak, but friends, it must be by the lives we live. Is Christ seen in you? The scripture says we must realize that the enemy is relentless. But here's the other thing the scripture tells us. That Satan would have you and I believe that you and I are powerless to overcome him. One of the lies of the enemy is to suggest to you and I that there's nothing you and I can do about our, our condition, our state, or our, our issue, our struggle. But the reality is, is this. He's a liar. Every, every word that comes out of his mouth is what? A lie. And you and I, just as we learn you know, to identify those who we see have a tendency to not tell the truth, and we, we are weary of what they say to us, right? And we make decisions in light of the fact that I can just simply say, I can just simply do, make decisions based on what you said because I know that you've, you've always had a tendency to always not tell the truth. In the, even more so with Satan, we must understand that there's no point ever where he ever tells the truth. No point ever. It's not, it's not that he tells some truth, but then he's always mostly to know. Friends, he is the father of lies. And, and there's no truth in him. And so when we, when we understand how the enemy works, that he in, he's indeed one who wants us to believe that you and I are powerless to overcome him, then what he should tell you is this. If Satan says that you are powerless to overcome him, then the truth is you actually have, do have power to, to overcome him. But it's not a power that's in, in and of yourself, friends. It's the power that comes when we look to God and we turn to God and we ask him to save us. 
The, 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 it is important for us to understand again who Satan is so that we are able to engage him as we should. In John 8 verse 44, this is Jesus speaking and this is, this is his exact words to the scripture I referenced just a moment ago. He said this about Satan. He is a murderer or was a murderer from the beginning. He, not, he does not hold to the truth because there is no truth in him. No truth. Nothing, nothing worth taking, embracing, or acting on that ever comes from his lips. And he goes on to say when he lies, he is speaking his native language. For he's a liar and he's the father of lies. You know, I think back to the times when, you know, when I would go through a struggle or an issue in my own life and, and I would be frustrated because I thought, I, I, can't, get, I can't get over this. You know, you know, how many times you and I, we, we've done things we should not do and we've promised God, God, next time I will not do it again. I will make sure it doesn't happen again. And we find ourselves go over and over, we're struggling with that issue in our lives. And, and here it is, the enemy is saying to us, you never get over that. Just, you, might as well just, you might as well just accept that that's going to be part of who you are. And yet the reality is that if, if, if whatever it is that God says is not His will for our lives, was never meant to remain a part of our lives. The scripture says, he whom the Son says free is what? Free indeed. God's not looking to bring partial freedom to our lives. God's not looking to bring momentary or temporary deliverance. God's desire is to break us free of everything that would take us away from His will for our lives. But what Satan likes to do is to convince people that there's nothing they can do to ever overcome. And how many people today are living in bondage because Satan has convinced them that there is no way out. That this is their lot in life. That this will be who they will be, this will be who they are, and there is no hope. And yet we know, friends, we know that there is hope for those that put their trust in Christ. Why? Because greater is he who is in us than he that is in this world. So it doesn't matter what Satan says because we already know he's alive. And we're not going to act on his word. We're not going to respond to what he says. We're going to trust God because we know what God's word says about him. And here's the third thing about the enemy we need to be aware of. Satan wants you and I to, wants us to engage him in our own strength rather than that we rely fully on the Lord. Ephesians 6, chapter 6 verse 7, one of the things that Paul said, and he says this many, many times, not only in Ephesians, but he says this throughout his, his letters to the church. He always emphasizes the importance of always relying on God. And not, not trying to do this, you know, this, you know this, this Christian walk that you and I are called to, the call that He has placed in our lives, to not do it in our own strength. It is very easy for us to have this mindset that it's just about being religious. But it's so much more than being religious. Christ invites you and I to a relationship with Him. But it's a relationship where we are fully dependent, where we recognize God. All, the only thing I bring into this picture is me. I bring nothing else because there is nothing else that is of meaning or value than just simply me. But yet everything else that makes this relationship with you significant comes from you. And that has to be the desire of our heart every single day. And yet it is Satan that wants us to think that we don't need God. We can do it by ourselves. We can lean on our own wisdom, our experiences, our understanding. Here's the thing, friends. The reality is, and Scripture makes it clear, there is a way that seems right to a person. And yet in the end, what does it do? It leads us to destruction. Just because we think it seems right, it sounds right, it appears right, or because culture says it's right, does not make it right. Because if the Word of God says otherwise, then friends, we need to lean on what the Word of God says. But most important, friends, when it comes to this ability to engage the spiritual enemy, we must remember, again, what Paul said. He said, be strong in the Lord. And he says, in His, <coughs> excuse me, in His, everybody say His, mighty power. God's desire is that you and I learn to embrace 
the strength that he provides and the power that he gives us. So here's what Ephesians 6 verse 7 says. So he says, place yourselves under. Everybody say under. Place yourselves under God's authority. What is it about that phrase, placing yourself under God's authority? Here's what he's referring to. The idea that when I place myself under the authority of another, that I'm operating through the power that is available through that individual. So imagine if President Biden calls you and says, hey, you, you have my authority to speak on my behalf before a foreign government. It doesn't matter what anybody else around you says. He has given you authority and you have the power to work on the, to operate underneath that authority and to do whatever that authority allows you to do. You and I are called to place ourselves under the authority of Christ so that because we do so, then we're able to engage the enemy, not in our strength, but in the strength that he gives us. It's important that we remember that. Operate in the strength that he gives us and not in our own strength. And that's why he can say that after you've placed yourself under God's authority, thank you. Thank you. After you've placed yourself under God's authority, then he says resist. Notice he didn't say resist the devil and then place yourself under God's authority. He said place yourself under God's authority first. Because it is in placing yourself under God's authority that you find the power to then do what? Resist. Too often time, many of us want to resist and then we're wondering why we're not overcoming. Because we've not placed ourselves under God's authority. We're not submitted to his authority. We're not submitted to his voice. We're not saying, God, let you will be done in my life first. And yet we want to be overcomers. Satan knows. He knows. He knows what we should do in order to be able to defeat him. And yet what he will do is convince us that we don't need that. And that we can do it by ourselves. Place yourself under God's authority, Paul says. Resist the devil. And when you do so, he will run. Not he may run, he might run. There's a chance that you may need to... No, he says he will run. Why? Because there's no authority that's greater than the authority of God. And when you stand up and you stand under God's authority, friends, there is nothing you cannot resist. So maybe this morning you have something that you're struggling with, you're dealing with, you feel like, man, God, I, I've, been, I've been trying to get over this and I just can't. Here's what I want to challenge you to do this morning. Stop trying on your own. Turn to the Father and say, Father, everything I need for a life of godliness you've given. I choose to place myself under your authority. I choose to be submitted to you because I know that when I do so, you will give me what I need to resist the enemy. God's desire is that you and I walk in victory every single day. But we cannot do it in our own strength, friends. It has to be in the strength and power that he gives us. So here's what I'm going to challenge you with as we prepare to pray. Don't let your guard down. Again, because the Bible says the enemy is relentless. Satan does not take a break. He does not give up. Just because you gave your heart to Jesus does not mean that he decided, oh, well, I lost her. Let me go focus on somebody else. No, he comes after you and I all the more. If anything, so that he might discredit God. Satan is relentless in his pursuit of opposing the will of God for our lives. So we cannot let our guard down. But remember, Christ is always in you. And because he's in you, he is, he is greater than, 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 than he that is in this world. And let's not, let's not back down to the enemy who suggests to you and I that somehow we are powerless on our own, but understand, friends, that through Jesus, you will overcome. You will overcome. 
You know, so I, 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 pray, I pray that you be excited with me as we go through this series because over these next weeks we're going to talk about what the Word says about how we overcome wickedness. Maybe be the wickedness in our own lives, the areas of our lives where we've not surrendered to the Lord, but, but especially even more so the wickedness that surrounds us. Are we willing to say, God, use me as a catalyst to help, me, uh, to help affect culture? I don't want to just talk about how bad things are. But God, I want to be, I want to be part of what you're doing to, to, engage, to engage all the things that are wrong in my, in my culture so that your name is glorified and people's lives are changed. That's an invitation that God is making to every one of us. And I invite you today to make that decision to say, God, yes, I'm on board with you. And I'm going to allow you, I'm going to work with you to do what it is you want to accomplish. But I also want to add this. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, one of the things that I, I, I love, Pastor Steve always says, is that in, in inviting you to a relationship with God, he's not asking us to come into church membership. That's not what he's asking for. He's not asking us to suddenly become more religious. What he's asking for is our hearts. He wants us to surrender our lives to him, to say, you know what, God, I was created for you. I was created to know you. I was created for a relationship with you. But sin keeps me from that relationship. Disobedience keeps me from that relationship. Um, rebellion keeps me from that relationship. But God, I recognize that my place is by your side. My place is with you in relationship with you. And you're willing to acknowledge that, 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 that you, you don't, you're not walking with God. Listen, friends, it's either you're walking with him or you're not. But if you're willing to be honest and say, Pastor John, I'm not walking with the Lord. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not walking in faithfulness before the Lord. But I, I want to be faithful to Him. I, I believe that there's something that God can do in my life that, that will only happen because I've submitted to Him. And I want Him in my life. And I want to be submitted to Him. I just want to encourage you this morning, even now, even in the quietness of your own heart, you can ask the Lord, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. When you sent your son to die on the cross, he died for my sins. And, and I believe that, that his, his death is sufficient to pay for my sins. I believe that he died for me. And I, I thank you for his sacrifice on my behalf. And you, you confess that sin. You, you turn your back to that sin. It's not you asking for forgiveness and you go back to that old life. No, you're committed to, as Jesus said to that adulterous woman, he said, go and sin no more. But you're committed to doing so, not in your own strength, but through the strength that he gives you through, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's the response that, that he invites us to do today. So if that's you this morning, you can do that right now and know that when you do so, God will forgive you. And, and God, God will set you on a new course, a new path. He'll give you a new identity. He'll give you a new nature. And by his spirit, he'll begin to live in you and live through you and to, and to help you to live for him. And your life is not going to be the same, friend. Your life's not going to be the same. So I invite you to make the decision today if you have not done so. I want to invite every head bowed, every eyes closed. As we pray this morning and ask God to meet each of us in our place of point of need today as it relates to today's message. Whether you're a believer or, or you're not a believer, that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you today and that he's bringing you, he's calling you to, to make a decision. Maybe you're the believer here today and as you've heard this message, you've been challenged in your heart to to identify areas in your own life where you've leaned on your own strength, you've maybe bought into the lie that you know a stronghold or a struggle in your life was impossible to overcome because you've tried and tried and you've constantly failed. Or maybe you've just never ever just just really taken seriously this idea that the enemy, that Satan is truly behind the evil that's expressed in our world. And that if we are to overcome him, that we have to do so in the mind and the strength that God gives us.
what a privilege it is to know that we are not we are not left to fight this fight in our own power and strength that God has given us everything we need and my prayer for you this morning is that God will help you to walk in the power that he has made available to you today every single day you will walk in the authority that he has given you and again if you are here and you are not a believer that as you cry out to the Lord that God will save you he will redeem you he will transform your life Heavenly Father thank you this morning for the opportunity we have to come together and to be reminded once again that God there is an enemy Father God who wages war against us against every human being, Father God, that has ever lived or will ever live, whose desire, God, is to discredit you, God, whose desire, God, is to usurp your authority, Father, whose desire, God, is to sit on the throne of the hearts of men, a place that, Lord, is only reserved for you. And yet, God, you remind us in your word today that, that there's nothing appealing or positive about, about the enemy. And that, God, we must see him for who he is if we are to overcome him as we should. God, we come to you this morning acknowledging, God, that indeed, Father, the enemy is a liar. There is no truth in him. We come acknowledging, God, that his power, Lord, no matter how strong it might seem, Father, is nothing compared to your power. And that, God, we can embrace you and embrace the, the strength you give us, Lord, to live the life you called us to live. God, I thank you for every follower of Christ here today, God, I thank you for their love for you, I thank you for their commitment to you, and I thank you for their willingness, Lord, to say, God, use my life and help me, Father God, to, to impact my culture through the, the strength that you provide me. And for the one here, whomever that may be, God, who is at a, a place of needing to make a decision, God, thank you that by your spirit you are drawing them to you. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock invites us to open so that he might come and abide. God, I thank you for whomever is opening the door of their hearts today, God, to you and saying, God, come and live in me and change my life. God, we thank you, Father, for what you're doing here today in this place. And God, we ask, Lord, that you continue to help us, Lord, to walk in step with you, Father, as your spirit leads us, Lord, so that, Lord, we might not only know your will, but God, we might also walk in your will. All to the glory of your holy name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.